welcome to the spirit soul series and today's episode 3 of the spirit soul series and uh, we're going to continue off from where we left last week uh, we spoke about um, you know i think we almost did all the main uh, the five main elements of the bhagavad gita where we spoke about uh, jiva we spoke about um, like uh, i forgot the second one ishwara, ishwara. then we spoke about the third was prakriti then the fourth was kala kala and the fifth was uh, karma correct so yeah, we spoke correct. we spoke about all of them but i think we kind of have some uh, leftover thing no that we have to discuss correct, correct, about yeah. Yeah. correct correct yeah thank you kanan uh, no problem speech ji uh, what we'll do is we'll just quickly uh, uh, complete a section that i said i would cover last time i promised so that is really about uh, dronacharya and his dealings with ekalavya hmm. remember ekalavya yeah. so ekalavya uh, was uh, somebody from a tribe called the nishada tribe and uh, he and that tribe was known to constantly be make, they were known to make trouble for the ruling the government hmm. and at the times that we are talking of that was the kaurava dynasty so they were known over generations to be like anti social elements or to be problematic people to deal with so they were given a, a whole area in the forest to live there but they didn't stop with that and they would keep trying to go beyond their rights and privileges and so on so this is the background in which ekalavya that is one of them a nishada boy approaches dronacharya for training in archery and uh, dronacharya uh, is this is a controversial point and it often comes up in discussions especially among nowadays young people as uh, that uh, it is misunderstood that dronacharya discriminated against his nishada boy and refused to teach him the reason why he did this was because uh, shortly before this they had come upon this boy uh, uh, no did they, you know, so, no sorry this happened a little later dronacharya knows that the nishada boys character is not good his potential to become a competent archer was definitely there and through dronacharya's powers and his tapasya and his austerity he could see the character of the boy is not good so there are two things there is competence and there is character now if you put uh, a weapon in the hands of a boy of a boy or a woman who lacks character then it's like you are aiding and abetting danger for a lot of others and with this uh, in mind he uh, refuses he, he turns down this request so subsequently this uh, the nishada boy that is um, uh, this our ekalavya he watches and learns he watches uh, the training that dronacharya gives arjuna and in the process he picks up a lot because obviously there is some keenness and it is maybe driven by some kind of ambition and that natural inclination is there so he becomes an expert archer and some years down the line or some time later while they are walking they see a dog appearing in front the, uh, the pandavas and they are with their teacher dronacharya this is of course all much before the mahabharat war they see a dog appearing whose mouth has been completely stitched up by arrows now what did happen was while ekalavya was practicing the dog kept barking and ekalavya got so irritated that he actually it's the natural instinct of a dog to bark right but uh, this ekalavya was not having any of it so he shoots arrows so ex- 
expertly you know like from the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top and left to right and right to left aim only at the dog's mouth so that the dog's mouth appeared as if it had been stitched up with arrows so when this dog appeared immediately dronacharya understood arjuna was amazed and all struck dronacharya understood that this is really coming uh, this is the handy work of that boy who had once approached him and drona was aware all along and not interfering with his um looking on slyly or hiding from behind bushes and trees and learning uh, and dronacharya asked i think like who's there and who's done this and can you please show yourself so ekalavya comes forward and uh, it's obvious that everyone is awestruck by what's happened but dronacharya sees the danger and that he feels his original hunch the feeling he had the fear that this boy doesn't have character if he starts harming innocent creatures just because they get in the way of his his uh, well being uh, without any religious principle to back it up then he can do big time harm therefore when ekalavya bows down and says i i consider myself to be your student and you to be my guru and i've been learning like this please bless me uh, dronacharya and i think either ekalavya offers or dronacharya demands guru dakshina and he deliberately asks hmm. for his thumb so that disable him like we disable certain apps on our phone you know which are creating problems or slowing down the phone or corrupting it he deliberately asks this so by it goes by the standards today it might be considered a very uh, cruel thing to do but those times were different and and even after dronacharya does this ekalavya being the kind of boy he was he carries on learning with the other hand so then krishna intervenes and krishna challenges him to a fight and actually ekalavya dies in that fight but those who die at it understood that those who die at the hands of the supreme lord will get liberated so that is the end of ekalavya and this is also this kind of diplomacy is also to make sure that ekalavya doesn't stay on and participate in the mahabharat battle because then he would have made big time trouble with his archery and with his misguided sense of right and wrong and with his lack of character he would have been brought up like like this by duryodhana so these are the different considerations it's not not really only that he was from a, a tribe or a low caste and therefore not being a kshatriya or a brahmana a kshatriya he was not allowed to teach because the same dronacharya later shows as we discussed in the last class a very big heart in accepting drupad's son drishtadyumna as a student knowing fully well that this drishtadyumna has been created just to bring about the death of drona himself so if somebody could be so detached to put his head on the uh, whatever on the chopping block uh, knowing that in, in, in eventually the death is going to occur why would he discriminate against this this boy just because he's from the wrong caste the the actual understanding is this it's like it's valid even today you know sometimes as teachers we come across people with a kind of real kink in their brain and when they are asking questions about most confident more confidential matters in the bhagavad gita and the bhagavad gita we are a little on our alert because we kind of sense that this guy is going to misuse the information of an also girls like in my batch where i teach that they've got some all the wrong ideas and they're coming to take words out of your mouth which then they will quote and back up their whole little plan and then go online and set up a big controversy so we also we are on our guard we don't really always tell them the all the, we don't park with the information so that's the mood in which so it's basically like uh, what is saying is that when it comes to ekalavya and drona drona kind of 
understood the kind of character that he comes from and the kind of um, like uh, you know like just the um, his nature basically understood that of being somebody that is uh, you know misguided as you, you use the word misguided right so yes. that could be a problem as you said like in the mahabharat war where that could turn out to be completely uh, it could be it could be a detriment to like the humanity like you know a lot of people could die in the process of that you know? yes, sure. I, didn't, Correct. i didn't know that that then that explanation actually makes a lot of sense because that's yes. like yeah, yeah. and uh, the other reason why this story captures the imagination of young people now as a case of like caste based discrimination is mm. because in our time and in this in even maybe a couple of generations before my time independence is given so much importance you know you don't really need a teacher so ekalavya managed without a teacher what's the big deal he should be revered for doing it yashwa i mean he has to be given credit for having learned without being directly under a teacher but just by watching him he also has to be revered for giving that thumb when he was asked to give it but he was that kind of don't care brazen uh, person and not being under a teacher to guide no matter what you are doing a doctor suddenly decides you know he's not going to go to medical school and do a proper course and get a certificate he'll just learn everything on his own he knows how to use the different tools and sets himself up he's going to create havoc in society if he's driven by the wrong intentions so the teacher it, it it's a very relevant story to what we are going to hear today in chapter 2 because the need for a teacher a spiritual teacher and teacher at, uh, in any profession and to be under the teacher and to be able sometimes to submit to the correction and the authority of that person mm. even if it doesn't suit us and because so, it helps you i guess like it helps you to understand things better no like uh, yeah and absolutely yeah understand and also sometimes are we get carried away by our own egoistic aspirations mm. so somebody has to be there to slam us as they're going to see krishna slaps arjuna really right at the start of chapter he calling him a fool calling him an important kshatriya you know or this tribium that means important and for a kshatriya nothing is worse because he is known to be brave virile he is given the uh, the right to have many wives in the hope that he will produce many other brave kshatriya kshatriya type genetically kshatriya type children more wives more chances are there so that 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 whole section of society can be kept strong so in chapter 2 uh basically it starts off from where chapter 1 ended which is as you will remember kanan arjuna has put down the gandiva bow and said i will not fight and i am very distressed etc now the reason why arjuna refused to fight there are five reasons and at least three the first three are going to be addressed by krishna in the first half of chapter 2 that we'll be looking at today I don't think you're going to be able to cover the whole chapter because it's uh, one of the two longest chapters at you know at 72 verses. So we'll look at about 35 36 verses and cover what comes in that. And there you have uh, uh, the main reason Arjuna gives is of course compassion. And which is something you and I can also relate to that you know how can we be so cruel to people who are my teachers and my relatives. The second uh, reason he gives basically is he scared a sinful reaction. Mm. What will happen if he does this terrible sin of killing his teachers and mentors? The third reason Arjuna gives is that he is uh, what is the use of winning uh, getting victory and winning the kingdom if there's nobody there to share the enjoyment with. 
you see it's uh, because everybody is dead at the end of the the mahabharat war his cousins are dead and so on the fourth reason uh, that arjuna gives is he is worried about uh, the the destruction of family the family line and dynasty how women are left widowed uh the and there are no men to guide the family so the women then get into illicit dealings with wrong characters and produce children or a poor a poor stock the children are a poor stock when they grow up they are not going to bother to do this with the pradhan ritual every every year annually in to remember the uh, the dead ancestors the dead the people who passed on and the last is plain indecision you just can't decide what's the right thing to do so uh, our uh, krishna tackles this five in the course of chapter 2 in this first half he straight away tackles this business about compassion and how he tackles it first he really like slams arjuna like a good teacher slams in the sense like we just discussed uh, calling him asking him you know you are born a kshatriya you are born an aryan in this context aryan really means someone Pure. From a pure and a civilization which knows what's the value of life, and the value of life basically is God realization. So that's some knowledge that's actually not available to the majority of people. Hmm. You know, they go to the temple and come back, and they or they may not believe. That's different. But to know that this human birth, you were just talking about apes and and humans being quite close hmm. to each other in the evolution cycle. so the value of the human birth is basically you can ask questions and you start thinking and pondering now if that and particularly this aryan which includes the kshatriyas are uh, no idea and then suddenly how is he becoming so nervous and scared and so on so it's like an impurity and then like i described a little bit ago he's also uh, slammed for his and called like important meaning basically that uh, after being a kshatriya what uh, you're just a kshatriya in name that's what it means like if a brahman by birth decides to be deceitful and greedy for money this is just uh, it is just in name that he is a brahman it, it, it's like making a mockery a brahmana by birth is supposed to be learned enough to show detachment from money he has to get what he needs for himself and his family but if he starts running after money and starts doing duplicitous things this is just making a mockery in the same breath he is called a uh, so like actually there's in i think in the previous um, was in the previous class of the first i'm not sure but we we were discussing yeah. that you know uh, the caste system essentially is like if you can it's like based on your um, you know like behavior almost like you know if you are if you do if you do like uh, shudra kind of activities you will become a shudra if you do like brahman kind of activities you are a brahman so it's like you know when people say brahman it's like okay it means the brahman mindset let's say let's put it that way like not the uh, not the actual like brahman like that right it's two things uh, when you come to chapter 4 you get a definition of how these varnas or the the four castes are determined krishna himself says this chatur varnyam maya srishtim guna karma vibhagasha that the vibhagam or the divisions are made by guna and karma guna literally means quality and karma means the activity that matches the quality so it's a little bit like circular logic you and in those times where caste purity was maintained by carefully arranged marriages and you know the right person marries the right and produces the right type of progeny the two things coincide that is 
both the mentality and the natural inclination to a particular type of action or activity uh, which is the, the karma here uh, and then they produce also people their sons also come out like that their sons and then the the, the children in general Uh, now when we look at it, it, it but at the same time it's there's also a lot of uh, a flexibility mobility to go up and down the caste system correct so what you said is really correct uh, uh, so the first point that krishna is uh, going to clarify is this point about compassion and uh, it's uh, uh, just note that in the very first verse when arjuna is addressing krishna uh, in chapter 2 he addresses him by the term madhusudana now there are so many names for krishna and so many names for which arjuna is also known but specifically madhusudana and here we need the commentaries of the acharyas you know to open up the text for us so they give their insight and their whole take like you know you the, the book has come out and you have book reviews or a, a film has come out and you have film reviews so it needs someone who is expert and qualified to open up the content so one of our acharyas in this line and every sampradaya will have their own uh, set of acharyas who done their own take on the bhagavad gita because these things can be looked at from unlimited angles of vision mm. that is true the shastra is like that the basic principles remain but how you interpret and apply you can get new angles of vision the qualified people so this madhu sudana is a reference to krishna as a as a as the god uh, who killed the madhu kaitava demons there's a whole past time like that and what arjuna is saying here is you who killed the madhu kaitava demons please also kill the doubts that are surfacing in my mind that's the reason why he is being appealed to as madhu sudana i mean krishna understands and arjuna understands and then so the acharyas tell us now uh, this uh, edition of the bhagavad gita like we discussed before the recording started before this class formally started translated by ac bhaktivedanta swami that is shila prabhupada founder acharya uh, iskon whose photo i have here behind me they have uh, they uh, he very much relies on the acharyas in the vaishnava sampradaya in that line and that's where this explanation is coming from for why the word madhusudana is used now as for Arjuna you see Krishna addresses him as Partha because just invoking that sense of pride in him that after all he is the uh, son of Pritha that is another name for Kunti Devi who is a sister of Vasudeva and therefore actually very much Krishna's cousin the cousin brother here so this play on different words we need to be Uh, alert to to get the hang of like sometimes i call you siddharth and sometimes i call you kanan now siddharth is because in a formal situation i feel that better like you are doing you are doing these podcasts but when i write you in the what by whatsapp i invariably say hi kanan and so on like that so a uh, names and uh, what value is given to names is also something it's a very important point that runs right through the bhagavad gita so what about compassion the point that we need here is what is the use of showing compassion for the dress of a drowning man you show compassion for the man that's drowning that's different so why are you showing compassion for the dress somebody is drowning and the dress floats in a different direction why go running after the dress mm. now how this is to be understood is in this context 
the body the material body of each one of us is just like an outer covering or a dress and the real stuff is the soul and the real identity even of all these religions that arjuna is hesitating to give mm. so that's like uh, it straight away at the start of the second chapter itself krishna is giving us he's dishing it out as we say mm. in you know modern language he is not um, uh, playing hide and seek with the truth he's it's he's coming right on and like it's uh, really giving it to arjuna he's posing this question so this is the substance that is why this chapter in the english editions it's called contents of the gita contents of the gita summarized so this is basically what the bhagavad gita is about that it's telling you about the soul and hammering this point home so that's one point that uh, krishna is going to keep on hammering home that anyway these members whom you are scared to kill they are uh, going to die in even their time is up and when you mean die kill them you are really only destroying the body if the soul remains intact and moves on to its next destination what has happened to you that you who should be familiar with all this is suddenly forgotten all of this because you are drowning in some kind of a sentimental approach now what is the sentimental approach in the bhagavad gita is the normal approach for you and me in today's world because we are so naturally someone will to tell us why are you crying and why some dear person passed away it's very difficult for us mm. because we are so distant from all this knowledge it's not there in our upbringing and education and we are taught to identify so much with the body remember the story about the parrot in the cage mm. you're always polishing the cage and the media and the economy and the market system uh, constantly teaches you to order things to polish the cage you know but not to give food to the the, the parrot inside so uh, arjuna is now going to have to kind of grapple with this uh, hard hitting information that uh, there is no need to show some so much sympathy and sentimental compassion because uh, even if his mentors die at his hand that's only their physical body that's dying the atma moves on so you have any questions or any comments up to this point this uh, uh, yeah so you said like uh... Madhusudana who killed Madhu uh, Madhusudana is like the god who killed the Madhu Kaitana demons right yeah 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 like uh, who is the Madhu Kaitana demons actually Madhu and Kaitava were uh, if uh, to the best of my knowledge I'll correct this again next time Madhu if, if I'm wrong Madhu Kaitava demons tried to steal the Vedas from Mahagriva so uh, they finally Krishna was invoked and he had to put an end to their mischief Madhu and Kaitava. Madhu Sudhana. Sudhana literally means someone who kills and destroys. So when they say oh, stole stole the Vedas, isn't like try to remove it from people's consciousness. That's what they mean. Uh, Or is it like? Ah, uh, no, no, that's true. No, I think uh, to yeah, in in this case uh, today to get into the details of the story will be little difficult hmm. because I should also like the Nishada like the story with Ekalavi. I should brush it up and get the facts absolutely right. but the reason why he is doing this is because of uh, the why he is being addressed is madhusudana is because of his having done this past time or this uh, great feat of destroying the madhukaitava demon okay and then also you said that krishna calls arjuna partha so that's like uh, like the importance of names 
you had mentioned that uh, yeah. names and stuff like so even like arjuna also calls krishna like doesn't he call him sanjaya San- sanjaya no no sanjaya is a different character he is the assistant oh. right through that sanjaya that we are hearing about is an assistant hmm. to the blind king dhritarashtra ஒன்ஸ்டன் you see so like one the first love, the first that they are reporting what's happening here and then after That's that you said uh, then uh, then you said like um, um the body is like the dress that you wear and the right. soul is like yeah. is like the body in that sense where uh, if you take that example like because um, yeah, yeah. yeah so so yeah. yeah but yeah apart from this like yeah nothing else like uh, this is the only thing that we discussed all right okay thank you now these verses Uh, in this section they keep driving home this point about how uh, losing the body at the time of death is like uh, just changing garment throwing away garments that get old and buying new garments for yourself so different analogies are given we are sometimes compared to passengers on a train you know most of us have had this experience we get on a train and for some time there are other co-passengers and then someone says ah my station has come i'm getting off or i'll be getting off the train tomorrow at 12 o'clock can i have your address something like that so uh, we are related to friends and our uh, naturally family members and teachers and so on for a period of time but when the station comes or when we have to get off we really just give up this body and then we know nothing of what what the people we left behind and they know nothing of where we've gone so this is the truth that we just have to digest hmm. and uh, because it puts us in a good position to face life and to face this world it it's just a fact however you must might love someone and however much you may be devoted and be how many years you may have spent with the person and naturally the memories and the affection remain but the the hard brutal fact is that when it's time for them to give up their body like an old garment and move on or the other way around when it's time for us to move on there is nothing that can be done to change that situation so anyway it's coming so then the natural logic is that's what krishna is going to put out here natural logic is in why invest so much affection in in relationships that are invariably going to be temporary maybe 2 years 20 years 50 years at the same time how can we not invest affection in people who are doing so much for us who are doing their responsibility and uh, with whom we work so this is basically a balance that has to come there has to be the affection otherwise how can units uh, function and how why would you be motivated to do something for someone if there is no affection and that's like a natural by product of dealing but at the same time it has to be tempered or sobered by the understanding even if it's kept private that one day this will all just fish it will just vanish and there's nothing you can do now where does the detachment come from this bhakti yoga is supposed to produce both deeper and deeper knowledge in the heart and it is supposed to give that detachment 
some people have already progressed on this path in a previous life so they take to this information like a duck takes to water they don't uh, it's different some people they have a lot of trouble digesting this some people say yes this makes sense that's true you know like that so uh, at, but at the same time krishna is promising in the 10th chapter here the dhami buddhi yogam sa it is i will keep giving you that intelligence and knowledge by which you can come closer and closer to me so the more you practice bhakti yoga which is the different angas of bhakti yoga means you hear about the lord you speak about the lord so many things you do archana for the lord you worship the lord and so on you surrender completely eventually that detachment which is otherwise so hard to get hold of and that knowledge from within what is what it keeps coming like it it, it keeps building up in the heart now arjuna no. is in a very yeah go on no no uh, just saying that like you asked that question like what is the point of having relationships uh, like if if yeah yeah and when it's like temporary and all that stuff i think like maybe it's because like this i don't know this might be like a philosophical answer but i feel like uh, this is the only thing that comes to my mind like maybe it's because the, the soul wants to be loved i think so that's why it seeks the thing from outside the outside from the rest Oh yes, yes you're getting you're a very good student uh, kanan you're like a born dream, dream student that every bhagavad gita teacher dreams of meeting i i'm just like I, you know i think i may have heard this from somebody else so i'm just saying i don't know that's true i know yeah yeah i understand but still because it's absolutely true that uh, uh, the original nature of the soul is basically to be full of bliss and happiness sat chit ananda sat chit ananda bhi so that sat means it is eternal chit means it's full of knowledge and ananda means you should be happy now definitely the exchange of love is a very important element in being happy right now it it's when the soul is covered over by ignorance it's looking for all this uh, externally in a from a place because it doesn't know it has to come from within what you said is absolutely correct and the more we hear and the more we understand and the more we practice bhakti and keep up some minimum practice automatically that covering and gross covering of ignorance keeps getting white it's like wiping and there are wiping wiping and we start looking for that love and start giving and getting it from some other source it doesn't mean that you break off all your material relationships nobody can function like that that is impersonalism but it's just like a fine balance you're walking a tightrope you know these are very remarkable people you got by your karma as parents and friends and teachers the same time you know that in in a second they could vanish nobody knows when that's happening it may be what, in the normal course of time or it may be premature what about the this i've heard this also it's called tattva masi uh yeah. i think what does that, that mean that uh, that uh, what does that it, mean exactly all right what it referring to is that the lord or god and we are sa- same in quality because the god the lord is spiritual we are also originally spiritual so it there's a sameness in quality but not in quantity why not in quantity because the lord is spiritual and powerful uh, on a scale that we can never be you know maybe we talked about our consciousness and awareness that we know what's happening inside us but yeah. he knows what's happening inside everyone 
okay okay so that's it's basic it yeah. it's basically the okay it comes back to the comes soul and the it comes back to the soul and the paramatma also that is the Correct. like uh, the paramatma knows what's happening to all the souls where the soul just knows what's happening to itself and it's connection yeah. to the paramatma okay correct correct yeah so arjuna so krishna is going on about how why are you lamenting for the dress of a drowning man it is just like a garment all these verses are there vasanti jirnani yatha vihaya this is a word jirnani really means garment you know vasanti why don't you just give up all the old garments you you have to like why not accept that even the mentors on the other side who you might end up killing they have to give it up then it goes on also about how so many uh, verses just drive on this point to arjuna having told him that uh, having informed arjuna that his compassion is misplaced because he is lamenting for the external dress of the people on the other side then he drives on the point that the real substance inside a person the soul is can never be destroyed and the two three verses go on about this point you know that it cannot be cut by a sword it cannot be burnt by fire it cannot be destroyed by water it cannot be withered by the breeze it just eternally go on and on the soul it can't be damaged by any material uh, thing material. right yeah. uh-huh. so arjuna may wield this sword and slash their faces and chop off their limbs and their facial features but the soul remains intact and when generally i've seen when people first come uh, you know come to know of this it's a very comforting thought that there's yeah. at least something in this damn world that is eternal because everything is temporary and changes and slips out of our hands but there's something that's eternal it's never going to go away very comforting also yeah that's also the but then also you know, like uh, then also like you have these kind of people who will who will um who might not sort of understand like what is the soul basically because like if you i think a lot of, most people will be like okay what is the soul exactly is it like because you can't see it now like i remember hearing some talk i don't know from where it was but somebody was saying that you know you have three um like uh, three like you like human beings have these three states of consciousness one is like the body the other is the mind and the other is the soul the body yeah. is the state of consciousness which is like the one with which we are most most of the time interacting with we are always interacting with the body consciousness the mind is little lesser that's where the ego is placed and all these other things happen there the third one is the soul where you know which is like uh, which we don't know like you know which people say like you know it exists in a different space or a different uh, like you know different level so like most people don't know have not have never seen the soul and it's only in like a very theoretical form it makes complete sense like you know that the soul does exist that there is obviously something in this world that that connects us, like that 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 holds us together you know there is some energy that's there definitely but it's very difficult for people to understand or uh, sort of grasp it completely even accept it because, because they, they don't see because they can't see they can't it or they they can't see they can't hear they can't touch they can't do any of the senses with it no so it's just so, there they just know the only thing they can relate to it is probably in an energy form it's there in an energy form and that's it you know so maybe that's where like a lot of people might think oh what is the soul and all that stuff but but to people who can get it they they understand very quickly what it is what you are saying is right uh, siddharth but at the same time uh, everybody has to be 
is going to sooner or later find themselves in a situation where a death has occurred you know somebody even if it's just a distant friend in the office and someone died of covid and you're told you have to later you know go or of course covid times you can't even go and pay respects to the body but and when you go the relatives will be wailing and saying you she's gone my mom is gone but what's gone the body is lying there okay with the uh, cotton stuffed in the nose and the head tied up so that the mouth and the blood doesn't gush out and so on when things start breaking up inside but what do they mean she is gone he is gone because that that person the external form is there so that means they are actually acknowledging subconsciously or unknowingly that something else was there which has gone and that is the source even the most hardened atheist just just think of them in the situation or someone who doesn't believe in the soul the symptom of the soul is consciousness go up to a dead body and you pinch it or you whack it or it's not going to react try doing that to a person who is alive and well and they will probably hit you back a scream so at uh, the symptom of the soul is consciousness it once the soul goes the consciousness also goes and actually it's quite fascinating if you look at the some of the upanishadic information of what happens after a death occurs you know it's saying very uh, coming down from god himself and from the shastras it's saying how once the soul leaves the body firstly it can exit from one of the different orifices or the holes you know there are so many holes there is the nose there is the ears there is the mouth when the when the soul has made its departure through the mouth you will see a little bit of blood trickling out of the mouth those kind of deaths some cases is through the nose sometimes it's through the ear now some people i mean to get down to the bare facts of the uh, situation you will see in the process of death they passed a little stool or urine because it means probably that the soul has left through one of those orifices the soul has to get out right now in 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 high 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 level yoga of another age it was possible for these yogis to go and plan the moment of the departure and then they would get the soul to rise 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 beyond all the chakras open up open up and it burst from the top of their head in the process so much fire would be created it set the forest on fire finally the blind king dhritarashtra and his wife they go and that is how their end comes so but for normal people living in our times for the soul to exit it's a huge battle inside externally we think the person passed away peacefully in their sleep go and see because for the soul to get out of this material cage is not an easy thing but the lord wills it and at the correct time things start to happen and it goes now once the soul goes out according to the katha upanishad the chandogya upanishad the mundaka upanishad it explains the soul hovers at the top of the room or wherever they are for a certain period and it can actually see and hear everything it can see and hear all our lamentation or in some cases if it's of god all our 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 you know finally the person suffering is over or they've been very inconvenienced by uh, the person suffering with you thank god finally they wasn't able to take it anymore like the caretakers of the caregiver that soul can see all that and that is why religious are advised when you go where a dead body is lying don't say negative things even if you have forced to settle with a dead person he took money from you never gave it back did something horrible to your family members don't mention all that because these things hearing all this it keeps the soul back when the soul should be given the freedom to move away 
thing so uh, after wovering there then for a certain number of days you see our rites and rituals you have the fifth day ceremony then you have the 14th day ceremony the 41st day ceremony because that is a period when the soul is still hovering around the things that is really like the places it like some place where it like the person like to go for a morning walk some temple that was dear some workplace where he or she had put all his years of effort and commitment it hovers and after that it starts its journey now when it starts its journey without going into the details which are given into the bhagavatam which of the health it might go through depending on what it's done etc and mind you in all this the paramatma is traveling with the atma don't forget he is there as a witness the soul is never alone that's another reason for us not to be frightened of death one reason why no need to be frightened of death because we've done it before so it's doable unless you've done it before you and i wouldn't be sitting here like this in this body so we yeah. can do it again the other reason not to be frightened is we are not going to be alone the paramatma is given his word he is always there with the atma in the visible form so after this period where it's hovering around familiar places when it has to cross the viraja river somebody from the ancestors is visible and recognizable to this soul that's why you will see as death is coming close people will start saying you know my grandfather came and called me last night some people will even say i can see my mother standing there i can see my dead brother standing there because these are arrangements made by the lord so that the atma that is hesitating to get out of this body can get relief if it sees something familiar in the unknown on the other side it will be more willing to cross over and according to the upanishad there is another fantastic thing that happens which is before you cross over and get your next body and so on like on a television screen all the things that you've done good and bad come like come uh, continuously you know it's like flash past and the soul or the consciousness of that dead person is put in a how do you say is put in a mode Uh, the default setting is that if the person really regrets and repents and when we regret and repent unknowingly we say oh you mean i poked something into that boy's eye and blinded him when i was young oh, God, oh i i really beg forgiveness let that happen to me you know oh i really stole that person's money my gosh i can't believe it let my money be stolen the 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 default setting is lamentation and repentance and in this way we choose our own karma for the next life so if we are born blind there was a stage where we chose it if we are born uh, or we lose a lot of money at some stage in our life it's because at some stage we were before we entered this life and this body we agreed to those terms so krishna and god is always giving us this option of free choice because the free choice element is very important and if it and then of course the crossing over or across that viraja river from this uh, this material level of the planetary system that is the toughest and in hindu systems you have things like you know you catch the tail of a cow and there is a cow and that's more like blind belief i don't want to say anything but and that that particular white cow will help you cross over and if you don't cross over then the soul hovers so the problem with suicide is that uh, according to our scriptures they get a, because they are like thrown up the time duration and the opportunity they got in a human birth they don't that easily get another body 
you have this whole thing of spirits and ghosts and hovering around yeah, yeah. i recently like actually uh, i don't know i i recently heard um, i don't know if you follow sadhu but i like i, I listen to i sometimes get his videos and uh, uh-huh. here yeah i have a friend who is a follower i uh, yeah. i i hear from him so like yeah. i had listened to a video in which he spoke about this ghost actually and he said the exact same thing that you just said basically which is that after the soul dies basically there's like this point after the, the person dies the soul kind of um, like it's like hovers like as you said no it goes around the places and all stuff so he yes. gave the example of like if somebody is like if there's a car accident for example and uh-huh. this person dies just suddenly the soul didn't want to die it wasn't okay. the moment for the soul to go away you know it had to like you know it just suddenly happened and then the soul is kind of like trying to figure out okay you know like uh, it just suddenly happened now i need to deal with the situation right now and it will be there so it's like in that context only ghosts exist it doesn't exist in that in the other context where in like you know the ghost is in the house you see in hollywood movies and all there'll be a ghost in the house and they'll like you know what do you say like go around and you know scare people and all. that's not how it actually exists it just exists in the form like in that form only ghosts exist where like if you think about it where the soul is like trying to figure out a way to leave be content yeah, be exactly. happy like understand like if the if the person like lives for let's say like 100 years and he's like in the end he's peaceful the person is peaceful and the person dies the soul is right. also kind of peaceful and the and the immediately goes to the next body after that doesn't have to think too much on stuff right and because the thing is everybody around this person was also very at peace with this person passing away and Correct. this person also was at peace he understood that he has only these months much time anyways to live and the soul so everything is like you know very peaceful and then it moves on automatically but then when something tragic happens then the soul has to kind of you know sort of figure out exactly like how to how to make sense of everything and all that stuff and then move on you know like i feel like karma plays a huge role in all of this like you know i because i'm i'm a i'm a big believer in karma in the sense like i was just thinking i think the night only i was thinking like that question is there no like why do good things happen to like sorry why do bad things happen to good people good people right so i was thinking about this like a lot and i i kind of i don't know if this is like whether you agree with it or not but i was thinking like if if there's a person like an ordinary person right like a person who gets up let's say a person who's 30 years old he gets up from his bed he gets ready to go to the office he uh, drives a car to the office he has breakfast he has lunch he works throughout the day and he comes back home but what does he do in between when he gets up from the uh, thing he has breakfast let's say he has bread and egg okay right then you know then he has then he gets up then he then then after that he gets ready he's going to the office he drives a car which is fuel engine car you know there's like smoke coming out of it right, right. so like you would think you would think that the, this person who's leading this very ordinary life is a very good person everybody assumes that this person is good but maybe the reasons why this person something bad happens to him but the reason why this something bad happens to him is because he's the small things karma works in that subtle ways where you can't even see how it's like having an impact so if you drive a fuel engine car in some ways whether you like it or not you're contributing to global warming you're contributing to contamination so now you don't think that much about it and everybody doesn't think that much about it but then in that small way you are contributing to some slight negative karmas being produced when you have like like let's say non-veg food for example then also there's you know it's like in the context of things maybe like the karma is not that severe it's just a little bit but over time it develops into this 
big thing and then it just has to get released and absolutely. then maybe that's why bad things happen to good people absolutely but this, this karmic explanation is the only explanation really for so much that happened and uh, but the point is then that we need to make real full use of our this birth that we have and make informed choices to the extent i agree fully that you know you drive a fuel car drive a fuel car or you even travel in a fuel car if someone else is driving you can't uh, avoid the karmic implications because you are contributing to the maybe the potential cancer for so many people around you it's it, we, we are trapped in a material world where that actually the whole point is going to come to where arjuna is crying and saying i'm utterly confused that uh, there is uh, the uh, everything becomes so complex and there is complexity complexity all around us that we get baffled because even if you want to do only good things it's like we are not allowed to we are part of a system where we can't avoid harming and injuring others and by taking that logic step forward as you are saying it's an uh, in, invariably you're going to get the karmic karmic reaction for that so this as far as talk of the soul is concerned the next question that comes up so arjuna krishna is trying to tell arjuna that you ought not to be lamenting for the death of a drowning man now arjuna's other kind of issue was he had an issue with this that did he get sinful reaction for killing his mentors in the in the war to which that was another reason why he was hesitating to fight to which krishna is telling him that it's your duty as a kshatriya to do this war to do this fighting now the thing about duty is you don't get reaction for some duty that you done because it is according to religious principles or according to what principles have been laid down by the lord and his spoken words are translated into text like this into scripture to scriptural vedic injunctions so he is not going to get sinful reactions provided he is fighting for religious principles and as uh, ordained by the lord or as uh, ordered by the lord and the other thing about duty is it not only makes life easier in a sense if someone could tell us what's our duty and we can bring ourselves to do it other thing is that duty really when it when you bring it down to its bare essentials it means tolerating tolerating if it is the duty of a woman in a house to cook no matter whether it is the height of summer and no matter whether it is the water shortage or not you just cook if it is the duty of the man like to keep going for his job no matter how difficult the job circumstances are because the family is waiting but the woman also contributes by getting money or whatever it's a duty of the student to somehow do the exams it's a duty of each one of us so it means tolerance and if you can develop tolerance it's a huge facility to get through in this very difficult world you know summer comes yeah, okay you can sit in an ac room with the which then that creates new problems because an air conditioning uh, the system doesn't suit everyone winter comes people are freezing to death uh, you know in places like uttarakhand where i have friends in ranikhet sometimes the power goes and doesn't come back for 2 3 days and there are people who survive the winter only with thermal blanket you know so she says is nothing you can do you can't charge your phones you're freezing the water is frozen forget about bathing even drinking water everything is a problem so what do you do the seasons come and the seasons go so duty teaches us to tolerate and do what we are supposed to do in a situation so it's developing a real skill in us an ability to tolerate that's another thing why duty is stressed so much in basic intention it's like a safeguard for us once we learn to tolerate like this and we can tolerate no matter how bad the situation turns 
you know you not like thrown off balance and so on so arjuna is told clearly no need to worry for simple reactions because you you do your duty you don't get it and as for enjoying arjuna is concerned that you know what's the use of winning and how will i enjoy it's a point like it's more fun if you can share something you bought you can show it to a lot of people or you know throw a party and share your achievement your promotion so there's nobody on the other side everyone's dead who is he going to share with hmm. for which krishna's answer is either you win and you become king here or even if you die you go to the swarga loka of the heavenly planets because it's uh, uh, given that a kshatriya who dies on the battlefield even if he is defeated goes straight to swarga loka and swarga loka the heavenly planet is still right above our planet there are many stages beyond that and one great thing about the heavenly planet is its long life unlimited goodies to eat and drink and a beautiful human being uh basically lot of scope and facility for enjoyment so of course people get set up even if that because it's in swarga loka that indra from time to time lord god indra becomes insecure and nervous that he's losing his position and does all this uh, you know plotting and planning that creates so many episodes that god has to intervene or the supreme lord has to intervene so uh, that's how uh, krishna is trying to so uh... Uh, Yeah. I have one doubt with regards to this. Like uh, people always may, uh, say this word Vaikuntha, no? What is Vaikuntha yeah, actually? What is Vaikuntha then? Isn't that heaven or? Um... Uh, no, no. Heavenly planet is one level. Like like you say, ground floor. I'm now sitting on a flight to the ground floor, and there is the first floor where I have my friend Shiva Sunita living there. Now the Vaikuntha planets are planets in the highest realm where Vishnu personally resides. And Vaikuntha literally means. without suffering without sorrow so to get to vaikuntha is the, uh, it is the highest goal there are so many uh, different levels in the planetary system that if you get into the bhagavatam i'll send you a diagram that you know it's very thought provoking but making it to vaikuntha is not easy making into the swarga loka or the heavenly planet means that when your pious credit is over you come boom zoom back right to this miserable world getting up to vaikuntha basically it's understood that you earned the right to serve the lord directly and to live happily there and there's always service and there's always individuality never does the individual soul fuse and become one as often it's very misleading information given in religious arenas the individual soul doesn't fuse with the supreme lord that's a, that's a misconception you know it 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 retains its individuality because only then can then be duality and there can be a relationship you can do things and you can fight and you can play and so on so the people in the swarla swar uh, swargaloka 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 yeah, swarga they are like um, you know you mentioned indra and you mentioned all these uh, beings and you know if you do if you demigod what are called demigods the yeah. so what is preventing them from getting into vaikuntha then like what is um, What is it? I told you you come up with these questions that are very thought provoking. Yeah. So uh, okay, I uh, what is uh, stopping Indra from different things? Uh, I will try and tell you very briefly. You heard of the Govardhan Leela? 
Govardhan the yeah it rained and then krishna caught the mountain and then indra came to like yeah and um, yeah right. now what really happened there will answer your question because those cowherd that cowherd community until the appearance of krishna as a boy born in their midst were used to basically revering only indra dev because they depended on rain rain their harvesting and their grain and the grain fed the cows and the cows gave the milk and so on the farmers vaishyas farmers the community when krishna came he came with this uh, challenge to them and when their annual day to worship indra came he um, uh, said no need to worship indra just worship me just worship me and we can have a great time and he convinced them somehow to put aside their plans and to worship him so while they were worshiping him they indra dev got furious because indra has his ego a demigod has his position and his ego and he had not recognized krishna for what he was so what happens is that he uses his weapon which is rain and water and uh, there is uh, so much rain that the people there in overtan in that in that part of uttar pradesh and mathura district they started to get really frightened and krishna used because they thought they'd be flooded out of their homes and this would be like a the a, a, a real catastrophe so krishna uses his little finger and for so many days in a row he holds up the govardhan mountain as a umbrella for them so they realize his greatness and indra dev is shamed and then indra comes and personally begs forgiveness for trying to outsmart krishna recognizes him as the supreme personality not different from vishnu begs forgiveness and then there's a whole very sweet past time where he worships krishna and brings the surubi cow to give milk to wash krishna's lotus feet and all this is in a beautiful beautiful place even today if you go called govind kund in govardhan i went and spent one month in govardhan hmm. serving some russian russian men and women devotees they wanted they i wanted someone to be their kind of handy person go to the market and buy sabji speak hindi speak sapariksha for them speak the language you know take them to the doctor so i volunteered and i spent in 2010 a whole month and it was marvelous that govardhan despite all the commercialism that has come and the golf club and the all kind of crazy things happening there govardhan is govardhan especially if you go in kartik mass at the particular mass when the damodar leela took place that's coming soon it's starting october 20th and devotees generally go there but these pastime places govind kund full of green water and monkeys and peacocks and birds and trees even 5000 years later it's very much like that the pristine quality so indra dev was humbled why does he choose to be in swargaloka basically because he has his ego and he has his role to play you see he has a role there there are always going to be human beings at different levels of consciousness there will be people who don't want the topmost goal they want a long time enjoyment in this beautiful swargaloka and they do lots of rituals traditional brahmana families to try to go there and indra has to be there to facilitate that whole world and its enjoyment like in there will be the mall where you can get everything under one roof and they will also be some people still prefer to go to individual shops and do that stuff but instead you go to travancore mall in kolkatam or wherever it is you get everything under one roof so people have different tastes because they are individuals 
and god respects that individuality and makes according to their level he facilitates for their onward progress now vaikuntha is generally touted or uh, touted is to maybe too strong a word as the ultimate for pious hindus and others devotees non hindu whatever what is then the drawback for vaikuntha why is it that krishna worshippers don't talk about vaikuntha and they say goloka 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 vrindavan i want to go to goloka that's another planet at that realm because in vaikuntha the worship much along the line of it's formal and there is awe and reverence you get me you have a formal relationship maybe with an uncle but you have a very informal relationship with your father there's a difference now for some people that awe and reverence is fine they like things to keep it formal and there is respect and distance for some other people they are restless in that formal mood they feel very restricted they want total freedom to express their affection and with the lord so they aspire for goloka where their free dealings are possible and there is no and reverence god himself doesn't expect it so then like in that case that's why uh, like uh, like god like if you say take krishna or vishnu um they are not expecting us to be in that place they are expecting us to be in uh, or are they like they want us to be there because it's like formal and uh, as no, you said like you see each one has our own inclination someone wants to be an engineer someone wants to be a medico or whatever mm-hmm. so they respect our individuality there are lots of people who make it to vaikuntha and stay there happily because the inclination of their soul is that kind of formal dealing with god So God takes that form there and remains there as Vishnu with Lakshmi Devi and watching and in his munificence and his greatness. He doesn't do little childish antics like Krishna in Goloka Vrindavan. So in Vaikuntha, like there's no like the same. There's no the, the it's not the same as uh, Swargaloka where you have all these pleasures and all that stuff. Not nothing no, no, of that. No, 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 no. It's way beyond Swargaloka. Way beyond Swargaloka because why? Once you get to or you qualified and you make it to Vaikuntha, you can just stay there. You don't come boom down back to this when your five credits are over. You serve the Lord Vishnu in in some mood or the other. Not mood is always just one of our own reference. but you serve him in some capacity or the other in in some others don't want to go there at all because they feel very restricted it's their nature they find it very they want more freedom to express so really the lord respects our individuality he doesn't put the whole lot of us inside one starting can and says everybody somehow make it over many lifetimes to vaikuntha or go only to goloka it's not like that like you just said for you your ishta devata is hanuman that's individuality to be very wrong as anyone to try to smash that and say oh just forget all about hanuman ji you just come to you know only krishna it would be very wrong it would be very harmful to the natural inclination of your soul but at the so same the, time we have to, yeah yeah you know kandi 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 we have to know what is what hanuman himself is such a great bhakt of lord ram Hmm. you know by some great good fortune if in some lifetime you actually get darshan of hanuman what is he going to tell you worship my lord he will pass you on and say for me you want to please me or now just move and worship ram who is you know everything for ram sita or whatever at the same time like we have to know as i said what roles they play 
so basically the role of uh, there is not shiva's role to do, do the tandava dance and to destroy when a yuga has to come to an end that is his big role and uh, there, there is a belief that when we worship lord shiva very sincerely he then literally kind of turns us in the direction of vishnu or krishna worship it there is this belief because uh, he appreciates and takes it yeah because uh, shiva I, i don't know where but i read somewhere that shiva only says that um i am i don't know if shiva says or vishnu says it, i'm not sure but i think one of them says that i think vishnu says it, that the most loyal and the most um uh, uh, my greatest devotee is shiva the greatest devotee of lord vishnu is shiva basically and shiva also says that you know like all the time that he is meditating in the himalayas it's all meditation towards vishnu or you know in that sense like you know he is meditating yeah. to vishnu itself yeah when his consort and wife parvati approaches him for some advice uh, he says don't worship me go, go to vishnu or some form of vishnu and for some form of krishna because uh, mukti pradatta vishnu eva asamshaya that if it is mukti you want the giver the pradatta or the giver of that mukti is vishnu asamshaya there is no doubt about it so don't just keep serving me but also serve go beyond me so they are all there really to help us on our journey back there is no doubt about it now Isn't, what is uh, uh, just yeah. one last i have i'm sorry to interrupt you why is there this this one last doubt like i don't know I, I, is hanuman like an avatar of shiva uh, uh, I, i think i've heard I, it somewhere that he is no i there actually is a lot of these things are bandied around especially on the internet and some of it has mm. got to do with certain sects and their beliefs but to the best of my knowledge hanuman is a great renunciate uh, as a brahmachari and a great great uh, rama bhakta and ramadasan but i have not heard uh, of his being an incarnation of lord shiva whereas in some temples in uttarakhand they do have some such temples to this the basic idea but i don't think it's a bona fide idea coming from a bona fide source now uh, before we yeah. move away from this topic if you want to hear devi's extraordinary role yeah yeah padipichondirikkanu ipo alla so uh, that is just my medical agent i told him not to yeah, no problem no problem ideas like that uh, so uh, devi's extraordinary role in uh, in the scheme of things devi or durga or parvati you can call her by any of these names durga actually means a force all right it means a force so durga uh, and her role is to create a beautiful prison house and to keep us prisoners in here just see the extraordinary arrangement so we normally go to devi especially the women to give us all um, all aishwaryangala all facilities a good husband a good happy home sufficient money beauty etc uh, uh, children growing up so devi is very popular amongst men and women and without a blessing generally they say family life won't go properly now what is her specific role if you go you dive into the shastras and dive into the bhagavatam it is her duty given to uh, uh, given by lord vishnu to keep us all trapped in this great prison you know the the 
quality of the prison made you may be a vip prisoner and you may be an ordinary prisoner but you still in a prison right so shackled by this material body and the limitations of this world so it's uh, like that's her role and but the minute someone wants to get out of that prison she just backs off and she directs that jiva to the worship of krishna and vishnu and i mean she doesn't then keep shackling she allows you to find sources through which you can get more information so that is the role of devi so devi so, uh, is uh, uh, devi is another word for lakshmi right no there's a difference yeah oh, okay. lakshmi is as in the consort of uh, vishnu there she just serves vishnu and she, uh, yes a role is still to keep giving these aishwaryamala but when we say devi we specifically mean durga uh, kamakshi Uh, the, you know parvati different rupams and different temples so many temples so she's the uh, she's like um she's a charge of wealth and prosperity where she's like she she like yeah, if you pray to her fortune. then all fortunes that you pray to her she'll give you that uh, that material fortunes that are required to make our material life a success okay so it is a, that is her role so once we understand this what we generally do is Of course, one needs some fortune. Other, how how are we going to get through? And then you have in India, we have the concept of a Kudumba Devi, Kudumba Devata. We don't want to hurt anybody's sentiments, and we continue respecting. But if you really want to start getting out of this whole cycle of birth and death, and to uh, that very loving exchanges, you have to come to Krishna and Vishnu worship. Because if it's at the level of Devi and Shiva and uh, Ganapati and others, it is still like a business deal. We are frightened. We go make these offerings and say, "Please give us this in return." You know, I am very going to be very loyal to you, but make sure that everything goes smoothly in my family. It's fear-based. There is some uh, uh, a lot of respect. It is fear-based, and it's like striking a deal. So, some stage the jiva wants to go beyond that business deal. You know, it's like Indians who go abroad. I don't want to mention any specific country, but they've come back with this. Uh, it's just the way that system works. Okay, I might as well say in America, I have very good friends amongst Americans. But that you know, when you're new, and they will say, "What would you like to have?" And you, they, you will order. Would you like a coffee? Would you like? Would you like a muffin or donut to go with it? And so on. After you finish eating, they will say, "This is the bill." Okay, so the Indian who's going from Indian culture. Where a atithi or a guest is warmly received, there's no question of his paying for what he's eaten. You know, he, he feels very let down or confused, and it often sets his whole mood towards that country and his culture in the wrong way. Why is it? Because nobody likes business dealings. We are really craving for some genuine affectionate. Someone bought us a coffee or a muffin and a donut, though they didn't know anything about us. We are new in the country; they want to make us feel at home. It hurts. It rankles. Not that we couldn't afford to pay for the coffee or the donut, but the whole mood it, it irritates. In the same way, uh, uh, with dealings with gods, demigods are at one level. Yeah, I mean, you pray and you make a deal with them. These many coconuts will be broken, and you keep your word and everything. That's their role. As long as you're satisfied with that lower level of worship, they are there so that you can target your worship towards them. You need to want to go beyond those that open. So all these gods and goddesses are there really to help us on our journey back. So I understand. So like we are at a much lower level in terms of our spirituality. So we are reaching yeah. to people like the demigods and like you know maybe like the demigods are in one level. Then you've got like 
you know other gods and all that stuff then you got maybe vishnu at some at the highest level vishnu or krishna um yeah. so like you it's like you have to get to one level and then finally you get to the god ultimately like that so i think yeah. is that thing like basically that's the thing right yeah, and don't forget this journey may be across lifetimes Yeah, it's wrong to think that you can get it all right one one shot. It may not work like that. There are different setbacks and disappointments, and we may even lose faith totally in any god. You know, then again, someone comes to our rescue, and we come back. We suffered such terrible tragedies. We don't want to believe there is a god. This happens. The jiva gets bewildered. Basically, this not- lifetime, this lifetime, I am praying to Anuman. So <laughs> it's all. Maybe next lifetime, I'll have to like <laughs> go to the next level or something. I don't know. No, actually, we shouldn't concern ourselves too much with this. In the sense that we should just be happy doing what we are doing. It's very important because it keeps that free flow of devotional feelings. And uh, by worshiping Hanuman, if there's even a little bit uh, that you can do for Vishnu or Krishna, you will see that we are going to come through to a verse. That that is never forgotten in the bank, the spiritual bank passbook. it's you know everything else is forgotten like you are now a podcaster and you have your training and you have whatever i have my training as a art historian and i studied fine arts and taught in the national museum in delhi for so many years but in my next life all that counts for nothing i still have to start going to school from nursery but this other knowledge that i have gathered and shared stays with me and at an opportune moment it's it is uh, revived or revoked inside the heart so it's like a vasana you know some people with music some mm. children can suddenly they hear a tune and they can play it on the piano or on the keyboard where is it coming from they already covered that distance in a previous life and in all probability it was not material that's why it gone with them into the next life you know this maths wizard shakuntala devi she where is this coming Jeez. from yeah like people have all kinds of extraordinary intelligence and they're able to like you know do some extraordinary thing how where is all that come like they have like uh, they call uh, uh, prodigies no like uh, correct correct genius prodigies prodigies ha prodigies yeah i said prodigies okay ha prodigies correct yeah yeah so now what krishna is going to do is then the question arises what does the soul look like and why can't we see it and that he's answering here and actually it's in the the purports to this shila mm. prabhupada's translation of the bhagavad gita that a lot of additional shlokas and text is given that according to our uh, scriptures the soul size it sounds illogical that how can it be but the size is given as 1 by 10000th size of the tip of the hair Think about it. It's like impossible. It's completely impossible to our mind. Hair one thousand, one thousand, the size of the tip of the hair. One by one. One by one by ten thousand, the size of the tip of the hair. Yeah. How how is it possible? It just seems completely crazy, right? The tip of the hair we can mm. see. We just have to pluck a strand and see. So what can be? So then the answer is given that that soul. is visible only by perfected intelligence in someone who is spiritually so aware you have rare cases sometimes it's all just cooked up people will say as he was dying i saw something going out of his mouth often it's just this you know it's uh, they have heard all this and they just repeat it 
but you will have the rare spiritually advanced individual who knows somebody is going to die who has a premonition who has prior knowledge and can see that death occurring can probably even see that it's very rare because as uh, how can you see something that's so tiny so how do we know it's there by its symptom which is consciousness when the soul is in the body the person has consciousness and the soul has left the person loses consciousness so i have one question with regards to this if a soul leaves yeah. the body does yeah. that um is that soul no longer associated with that person ever again like in the sense like if is it like like if it goes to another body does it lose yeah. the previous identity completely but memory may be there that's why you hear of this past life regression and people children growing up and remembering so many people in the village they were in and who murdered who okay. and so on yeah this is and of course now you have this whole so called modern it's a kind of new age thing past life regression you sit with somebody and through hypnosis they make you think but i don't know the validity of all that but this other one how the other the other cases of how a child suddenly before his exposure remembers remembers why because along with the soul and that the power gita tells us very clearly in another chapter along with the soul when the soul travels out of the body and goes the mind and intelligence also travel with the soul so the mind is going again it's abstract what do you mean by mind you can't see something floating and going even now i mean even if i were to break open someone's head i can't see i just know there is this abstract abstract term called mind but the mind has is a repository of all our experiences and thoughts and feelings mm. that's what goes with the soul and in the next body that mind which is like an endless unlimited gb un- unlimited storage space so through so many lifetimes the mind is there going going with a repository of so many thoughts and experiences and if the supreme lord wishes he can just uh, lift the veil if you like and make the person remember a little bit of something from a previous life that's what's happening in these remarkable cases why is it happening really if you ask me i think the lord is basically using these people to show how these things happen that it's a fact that the soul goes and the mind goes with it also then the also the yeah. question of like free will like free will no like yeah. god could easily say that every living thing uh, should come to me and just create like living things or living beings and say everybody comes to me but the fact that like you know like god gives the free will to people to like choose what they want to do and say that you know this lifetime it doesn't work next time like next lifetime also it doesn't work but third lifetime it might you might make some progress after like maybe 15 or 20 30 40 god knows how many lifetime you get to some level where you're like okay i am on this path and then finally you get to a point where the soul is like okay i've understood like i need to come to i need to come to god now i need to i need to um i need to get to vaikuntha let's say let's put it that way i need to get to vaikuntha yeah. vaikuntha in the end so the fact that you know like that free will exists is like um you know it's pretty like um, yeah it's pretty amazing because like it's pretty uh, remarkable in that sense like you know that we like human beings like we, you know we struggle with the the concept of free will like we think that you know god controls everything but actually maybe god doesn't and god is like telling you like you know you if you want to do this you can do it if you don't want to do it you don't have to do it but then at some point you will do it or you know it's like that yeah i know because there's this so much freedom given because again we are individuals mm. and a, a bona fide god 
is not going to like just expect us to do something because uh, it has to be done that that's not the mood at all a god uh, a bonafide god and particularly krishna and vishnu most of all what they like is the sweetness of this voluntary surrender even if it happens in fits and starts it happens after many lifetimes this voluntary turning towards uh, the supreme lord and then tasting and exploring that they appreciate most of all of course they are hoping that each one of us eventually will want to get out we are parts and parcels of the supreme lord in quality it's a tatva masi not in quantity so we want to be rejoined with the original host it can't happen like that in just one lifetime or suddenly and it's not easy because there are so many distractions and we lack qualification but yeah the element of freedom and free choice is very important that's why even in parenting in teacher student relations in boss and co- and uh, employee relations this being able to give some freedom of choice is a very important thing to keep the relationship sweet otherwise it becomes like a suffocating uh, unhappy situation both side trading charges and grievances see even at a simple level we can look at it of course there has to be some discipline some authority and do's and don'ts you know but some freedom has to be there to express to tell our our problems to make some changes some flexibility and that a bonafide god is always willing always ready to do it that's I the think, great thing about spirituality yeah yeah i think um, i think people always want to know like what uh, people also i think want to know how to better themselves but they don't know they don't i think they get lost in trying to in the means in which they try to get better themselves so they like they look you know they look to other people or they look to other things and they think that this this thing or this person is going to give me some kind of satisfaction some kind of help but it doesn't it doesn't work that way like i every time i every time i go through something whether it's like some kind of accomplishment or some kind of failure i always have this attitude that like it's temporary even this like this person who's complimenting me this person who's being nice to me it's a temporary thing like after some time like you know it'll just go away this person who's being bad to me this person who's being rude to me or this person who's being like very nasty or saying something bad i'm like it's a very temporary thing i just have to like just let it go you know it'll just go and like i've noticed that like letting go of the things that like are like letting go of things where it's very difficult to hear is very difficult but like the more you practice that it becomes like it becomes second after some time it gets used to it so like i've been doing meditation now for i think almost since august 16 so it's been like already 48 days now since i've been doing regular meditation every day in the morning but initially like so initially initially in, initially it was mantra meditation okay. where i would chant i would chant like hari krishna hari krishna and the whole time then after some time i i felt like you know maybe this is like getting a bit you know i was you know i wanted some centeredness some centeredness in my mind so i wasn't getting that well by chanting and for some reason i don't know why so then i just thought okay let me just focus on my breath i'll just focus on the breath and uh-huh. then now i do a mixture of breath and this mantra so like so the breath and the mantra together acts as a good combination for me where i am like initially i i focus on the breath i keep I like I'm, i'm breathing and then i focus on the breath and suddenly i'll be okay now is the perfect time to say the mantra because if you just start saying it with just without okay. any preparation then it doesn't have any effect 
yeah so then like that's so and the thing is the effect of it is so it's amazing because there are many times where i've gone through some kind of difficulty and the meditation that because it's so calming it helps in that situation like you know i'm okay. like i immediately understand okay i have to be calm like you know i've been you know to yeah so that it so i think those things all are very important you know in the path of spiritual growth like i think it's it's important like it's not i think enough to just hear the the spiritual sort of information i think it's important also to like meditate on some level and practice. like yeah hey, practice yeah something you have yeah. to do regularly to connect it's like a dialogue connection with god you have to practice and for our yoga kaliyuga the recommended method is very much like your thing hmm. just chanting or remembering that you know it's not enough just to get this information theory the practice or the process has to be taken up do you keep your eyes open or keep your eyes closed close close so because this is a question that i get asked often why not have uh, your ishta devata photo or something right in front and look but the minute you open your eyes the danger is of distraction you see something else and you think of something else and so i try to so imagine i try to imagine so i'll imagine like i'll uh, initially when i first started no i had a lot of thoughts going in my mind everything was flowing then after some time because i'm doing it for 48 days now after a point i reached a stage where those thoughts didn't come i could just directly start focusing on one thing but then the problem with that was that my mind was getting a bit like uh, you know like disturbed with just focusing on one thought like i wanted to like i it started like i started feeling i need to focus on something else now like i focused on krishna and all that stuff but my mind is like telling me look you got to focus on something else like you know there's something else that needs to be or a different form you know so then i uh, so then i like now so then i started focusing on breath and that has made a big difference you know so i think like it's just trying to master different sort of like things you're trying to master different thoughts like yeah i don't know. i think you're trying to get your mind ready for the chanting that's what you're doing through the breathing yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, even a lot of regular iskon practitioners do this because as you see suddenly if you sit down and chant the mind is not ready it's they won't come there are other things yeah you know either you wash your face or do something so to breathing is a good way because you get your mind a little under control and then you go into the chanting hmm. oh i think uh, i think the I think you're frozen supreet ji are you here hello Hello. Hello. Okay. Sorry guys, there was a slight uh, technical issue in between, but yeah, we're just going to continue. So, uh what like what will we be discussing? Like uh, we were I think we were talking about uh, uh ready uh, chance. Yeah, hmm. the mind getting for the chance. Yeah. Uh, by some breathing exercises how regularly practitioners do that that is what i was saying and that uh, the body oh, yeah. has processed a deeply process it's not enough like you said to theoretically hear yeah okay are you there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just thought i disconnect my mic Uh, uh yeah so uh, uh, shall we just uh, look at uh, what's left of this section of the yeah yeah sure. Uh, sure 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 yeah, yeah.
so krishna has finished telling arjuna uh, different things answering his doubts at different levels uh, now giving information about what the soul looks like and what the size is and who is qualified to see it only somebody with perfect intelligence or perfected intelligence uh, how nothing can destroy the soul there's no reason at all for arjuna to lament even if he's the cause of the death of the those on the kaurava side uh the point here is yeah then there's a crucial point here uh krishna also gives him the other side the flip side of the coin that if after hearing all this arjuna just decides that he doesn't want to fight as he's saying he wants to go and live in the forest with the beggar he's going to run away from the battlefield contrary to what arjuna is thinking that uh, it is because of his compassion that he is leaving the battlefield the world and the public are going to see him as someone who basically ran away out of fear for his life as a coward and uh, krishna is pointing out to him that that would be unbearable for him for the kshatriya nature to tolerate that kind of disgrace mm. this is a very valid point he is making because if our mentors and teachers can understand our nature you know and they tell us don't do this because the result is that you will be perceived like this and you won't be able to take it you know i have seen parents with very ambitious children there and the child comes with some fantastic plan so far the child has been always like a plus a plus or first in the class suddenly he is coming with some fantastic plan that someone has put into him and the child the, i have seen this happen the parent will tell the child don't try for this because it's unlikely you're going to succeed it's based on your capacities i mean he may not say this bluntly and if you don't get it you won't be able to accept the failure mm. i accept this happen and that kind of child who all his life has known only a plus and a plus suddenly by his karma or whatever tries for something doesn't get it is considered a failure takes it very badly as taken his life because he just doesn't know how to deal with failure so it's very wise of uh, krishna to point out to arjuna that it is kshatriya fighting nature where so much importance is given to pride and achievement he has fought so many big battles he defeated lord shiva and got the pashupata astra he defeated lord indra dev and got the gandiva bow from him as a reward so with this history of achievements suddenly he is seen playing the battlefield because he uh, uh they will just say that he just got frightened and scared and left and that talk arjuna won't be able to take so mind you at the latest stage in the mahabharat war krishna himself leaves the battlefield mm. uh, you know why because rukmini sends him like an sos a distress letter saying that my brother is going to marry me off to somebody completely unsuitable please come and save me you know i am yours so krishna goes there and kidnaps rukmini that you have this great kidnapping of rukmini in the bhagavad katha series that very much highlighted but this happens in between the in between the like that very telling okay not in between the bhagavad gita ah, ah, mahabharat okay okay and as a result of running away from the battlefield krishna is given name ranachor a thief who ran away from the rana ranabhumi the ran of kach this this is like that particular kind of battle desert kind of situations hmm. so krishna himself did this 
krishna can take it because it is one of his leelas he doesn't care but arjuna cast in a kshatriya mon won't be able to do it see what good advice it is because that's why it's very important to find a mentor spiritual mentor who understands your nature it is not just this about formally taking initiation and making some vows and getting a new spiritual name and uh, etc all the trappings that go with it they have their place but it's essentially reaching the feet if you like of a spiritual mentor who understands you understand understand so it's important but like how many people have that uh, option of getting a spiritual mentor also studying and that's why when we come to chapter 4 this concept mm-hmm. of a spiritual teacher master mentor or a guru as he is known and our world is teeming with false gurus so that's also a problem but uh, we will explore that topic a little more so i think About- in that in in that sense like uh, i think maybe we can call it a uh, call it a session today then so yeah we wind it up um, but this was a very good i mean i really i mean today was a very good session i learned a lot so like, thank you so thank you so much so like uh, i'll be putting up this uh, video on youtube so that um, more people can see it and maybe understand maybe a bit better about the whole thing yeah. all right sure. thank you so much thank you so much supriya ji until next week <laughs> okay <laughs> Really thank good. you uh, no problem and next just wanted to before you cut me off yeah uh, normally i i i overlooked today i should have started but just invoking krishna's name because he is the author of the bhagavad gita which is the harik mantra a text just like say five and followed by that because i'm using the text translated by sri prabhupada sitting here which is said to him but we got straight into the talk so i doing that because that's the proper fine. etiquette Yeah. Next time, just repeat in case I. Yeah, yeah, it. I'll I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll definitely do that. Sure. Thank you okay. so much, Supriya Ji. Until until next time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.